This episode is brought to you by Buffalo Trace Distillery. Powerful yet smooth. Contained but never tame. Proudly going their own way, but never going alone. This is the spirit inside Buffalo Trace bourbon. Made at Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's most award-winning distillery. Buffalo Trace is always perfectly untamed. Distilled, aged, and bottled by Buffalo Trace Distillery, Franklin County, Kentucky. 90 proof, 45% alcohol by volume. Learn more at buffalotracedistillery.com. Please drink responsibly. Shaq here, spinning fast-acting pain relief for 2024 with Icy Hot. Take it from me. Sticking to your new workout routines can lead to sore muscles. Icy Hot starts working instantly to dull the pain with the icy cool sensation. Then, the warming sensation relaxes it away. Feel the power of Icy Hot's contrast therapy. Ice works fast. Heat makes it last. Icy Hot. This episode is brought to you by J. Crew. This spring, J. Crew is telling a linen love story. From perfectly rumpled beach cover-ups and effortlessly sexy suiting to button-up shirts from the world-famous Baird McNutt Mill in Ireland, the new J. Crew collection is made to be shared, lived in, and loved for decades and generations to come. Shop linen like you've never seen it. And more new arrivals for spring 2024 at jcrew.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Moments before we went live, the Secretary of State for Maine issued a decision disqualifying Donald Trump from the 2024 ballot in the state of Maine. The Secretary of State said it was not a decision that she reached lightly, but by applying the law of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, it was the only decision that could be made. We will break down this monumental decision. Meanwhile, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals denied Donald Trump's attempt to stay the E. Jean Carroll case from going to trial next month. Trump is terrified getting hit with a Rudy Giuliani-sized judgment in the defamation case that starts mid-January. We'll be covering that trial here on the Midas Touch Network. Also, Lauren Boebert has ditched her congressional district. She is leaving Colorado's third 
congressional district, which is a plus nine Republican district to run in Colorado's fourth, the seat which was previously held by Ken Buck, who specifically left Congress because the Republican Party has now turned into the party of Lauren Boebert's and Marjorie Taylor Greene's and MAGA weirdos who hate democracy. Now, I think back to the interview we did here on the Midas Touch Network with President Biden in Pueblo, Colorado, a few weeks back, where President Biden called out Lauren Boebert at a windmill factory in her own congressional district. In retrospect, how significant was that interview when it also seems to mark an important moment where we've been seeing President Biden's momentum begin? Because I remember all those reports right around that time period. We'll discuss. Also, disgusting. Donald Trump smells badly. Trump smells continues to be a national trend. Videos put out on the topic by us here at Midas Touch have garnered millions of views with others sharing their own stories of Donald Trump's putrid over odor over the past few decades. I spoke with former Republican Congress member Adam Kinzinger today since he sparked this important national discussion. Also, with good economic news, right-wing media, they don't know what to do. So they're back to talking about gas stoves and why the state of Utah and other right-wing states have more people Googling searches like, why am I gay? more than other states. We'll talk about all of this here on the Midas Touch podcast. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Brett and Jordy. Some breaking news, big, important breaking news before we went live. How you doing, brothers? Doing great. I always love when we get big breaking news before we go live. It's one of the benefits of us actually doing the show live, live, as we get to cover everything right up to the minute. And this news out of Maine is an absolute bombshell. Maine becoming the second state here, in addition to Colorado, to bar Trump from the ballot. We will get into that soon. It feels like these past 24 hours, but Ben has been hurts himself with his uh, Starbucks cup or something over there. I don't know what's going on. Uh, these past 24 hours have just been wild. Wild, a, a crazy news cycle. And I know we probably say that every episode, but from the, the Boebert news to everything coming out about Trump to Trump and the E. Jean Carroll case to the Secretary of State of Maine to disqualification updates in other states, it is an action-packed episode coming your way where you're going to we are going to break it all down for you. Jordy, what's new with you tonight? How you doing? So pumped for the show. I mean, just tons of news to get into, but I just wanted to quickly reflect here. We're at December 28th. The new year is is getting right around the corner. I, I, I'm so grateful for this community. We are so close to 2 million YouTube subscribers. Let's go. The Midas Mighty is growing. So I just wanted to use this intro real quick just to remind people, because I know we do it at the outro, subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel right now. The goal is to hit 2 million by January 7th. Let's see if we could do it. And Jordy, on that note, I'm also going to say, while I got you, not to make two asks right out the gate, but add the Midas Touch podcast anywhere you get audio podcasts. Go to your podcast app, whatever you use, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google or Overcast. I can name about a dozen others. Go add the Midas Touch podcast to your feed. It really helps. And you'll get episodes like this and Ben's hot takes delivered straight to your phone every single day. Speaking of which, I did a hot take right before we went live on this decision by the Secretary of State of Maine. And before getting into that, though, 
doesn't it feel like the momentum is shifting? Doesn't it feel like a month ago or 45 days ago, it was all doom and gloom and the world is ending and MAGA can't be stopped? That's what the media prevailing narrative was. And what did we say here? That's just a media prevailing narrative that doesn't meet the facts. So what we have to do here is we have to speak loudly and proudly about the facts and the data. And if the legacy media and old school media are not covering these issues appropriately, guess what? You're going to lose your viewers and listeners to us at the Midas Touch Network. So catch up. I want pro-democracy competition. And I've also noticed some shifting in the coverage. When I turn on some of these media networks right now, it seems that some of the segments look like some of the hot takes that we do here. I go, that looks like the hot take that I just did, or that looks very similar to the way we talk about the issues here. Good. Bring it on. The more pro-democracy content, the better. But if you are stuck in your old ways of both sides and things and promoting fascism, we here at the Midas Touch Network are going to put you out of business because democracy is what matters here the most. Let's get into the order by the Secretary of State from Maine. The Secretary of State of Maine, uh, Shauna Bellows, uh, held a hearing. December 15th on this issue. A lot of people weren't talking about that here. We've been talking about the various hearings across the country. And so this is not a court decision, right? The Secretary of State of Maine says, I don't need a court decision yet. I'm the Secretary of State. The 14th Amendment, Section 3, is self-enforcing, and I am duty-bound to make the decision here if Donald Trump is qualified. That is my call to make. And of course, in the future, if the United States Supreme Court or the highest court in the state of Maine wants to overrule me, that's their job. They can do what they want. But I'm presented with a task. And as she said on the last page in her conclusion, I do not reach this conclusion lightly. Democracy is sacred, and the highest court of this state has repeatedly recognized that no right is more precious in a free country than that of having a voice in the election of those who make the laws under which, as good citizens, we must live. I am mindful that no secretary of state has ever deprived a presidential candidate of ballot access. Based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, I am also mindful, however, that no presidential candidate has ever before engaged in insurrection. The oath I swore to uphold the Constitution comes first above all, and my duty under Maine's election laws when presented with this challenge is to ensure that candidates who appear on the primary ballot are qualified for the office they seek. The events of January 6, 2021 were unprecedented and tragic. They were an attack not only upon the Capitol and government officials, but also an attack on the rule of law. The evidence here demonstrates that they occurred at the behest of and with the knowledge and support of the outgoing president. The U.S. Constitution does not tolerate an assault on the foundation of our government and the challenged section requires me to act in response. She also goes on to say, however, that given the compressed time frame, 
the novel constitutional questions involved, the importance of this case, and impending ballot preparation deadlines. I will suspend the effect of my decision until the superior court rules on any appeal or the time to appeal under Maine's applicable law. So it's temporarily stayed, but she's saying the courts can do what the courts do. I'm the secretary of state. Here's the decision that I have to make. She also says on page 23, in making their case that the events of January 6, 2021 constitute an insurrection, the challengers to Trump being on the ballot, who are called here the Rosen challengers, rely heavily on the proceedings in and evidence from the Anderson case. Much of that evidence is in the record here, and I find the reasoning of Colorado's Supreme Court to be compelling. That said, even without the benefit of the Anderson decision, that's the Colorado Supreme Court decision, the Secretary of State Maine says, I have little trouble concluding that the events of January 6, 2021 were an insurrection within the meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And she goes on to say that that section is self-enforcing and that as the Secretary of State, she has the authority and obligation to disqualify unqualified candidates and Trump is not qualified. So that will now go through the court system. Meanwhile, in the Colorado disqualification case, you have the Republican Party there filing a petition for certain for the Supreme Court and requesting expedited briefing. Notably, Trump has not gone to the United States Supreme Court yet to appeal the Colorado Supreme Court decision as of this recording, which is interesting. You would think you'd want to move that along fairly quickly. Um, so the petitioners, actually, the group crew, joined the Colorado Republican Party in the petition for certiorari for the United States Supreme Court and asked the United States Supreme Court to have Donald Trump to move this along because they think like Donald Trump's going to try to delay and delay versus actually go to the United States Supreme Court. So that's the update there. And you see different states handling it differently, whereas the Michigan Supreme Court wanted nothing to do with this. And on state law grounds said that it's not for the Michigan Supreme Court to determine who's a qualified candidate or unqualified candidate in the primaries. That's for the political parties to do. And they kind of punted the issue, which I think is a bit cowardly. And one of the dissenters or the only dissenter said, no, no, this is an issue that we should take up and rule on the merits, not boot based on some jurisdictional ground. So that's where you're at, but a, a big ruling right before we went live. Yeah, it's been fascinating to see the way that the courts are handling this, that secretaries of states are handling this. It seems like anytime somebody is forced to actually look at the facts before them, mainly is Donald Trump an insurrectionist? Was January 6th an insurrection? They come to the same conclusion. Yes, obviously, of course. And that seems to be the defining issue, the through line rather, uh, throughout all of these cases, throughout all of these decisions. Thus far, it seems like any of the folks who have decided not to bar Donald Trump from the ballot have not done so on the basis of, well, he's not an insurrectionist, so this doesn't apply. They've kind of weaseled out of it in other ways by saying, you know what, we're we're not going to take up this case, or perhaps he's not an officer. But I think it's interesting that the through line that we are building and what we are seeing court by court, secretary of state by secretary of state, we are seeing people speak up loud and clear. Yes, of course, Donald Trump 
is an insurrectionist. And then they are trying to determine whether, in fact, he violates this disqualification clause of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And so I think we are in an interesting territory right now. And I think ultimately, you know, when the Supreme Court of the United States goes to rule on something like the Colorado decision, I think it's going to be interesting, actually, to see what they have to say. I'm not saying I have a lot of faith in this uh, Mm. Supreme, Supreme Court, but I think looking at this honestly, looking at what the Constitution says, to me, the law is absolutely irrefutable, and it is no different than any of the other qualifications or rather disqualifications of running for office. You simply can't be an insurrectionist. It's, it's, it seems like a pretty low bar here, folks, but Donald Trump has, of course, went under this very low bar and continues uh, to make things worse for himself every day as he praises the January 6th insurrectionist, as he talks positively about the events of January 6th, as the Republican Party Party turns the insurrectionists of that day into heroes. You see them taking photographs with the QAnon shaman, inviting him to events as special guests. I mean, this is what the Republican Party has become. Yeah, yeah, no, this is why we don't refer to this modern day Republican Party as conservatives. When you have Marjorie Taylor Greene at Charlie Kirk's event, I feel like this is fascist Mad Libs hanging out with the QAnon shaman. I mean, it's utterly despicable. And you have, you know, legacy media going out there just reporting on this as if it's normal stuff. This is, we're, we're not living in a normal time period. And it's a really frightening thing. Like democracy is truly at stake. And you have one side, the Democrats, a Democratic Party that at least has a adults in the room that want to push policies that help people, uh, help their lives, ha- genuinely help children with you know free lunches at, at public schools that we've seen here in the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and, and across the US. And then you see the Republican Party. And it's super scary that they just want to continue to take away rights, take away the rights of the LGBTQ community, take away the rights of women, take away the rights of, of anybody who doesn't fall into this weird MAGA fascist bubble. Look, it's shameful that the 14th Amendment, Section 3, even has to be used. It should not be a political issue for us to look at what happened on January 6th and say it's an insurrection and that Donald Trump should be disqualified and thrown out of any major credible political party, period. The fact that we're forced to even look at the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is because the Republican Party has rallied around the January 6th insurrection as part of their official platform of embracing fascism. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they say, if you oppose the insurrection, you oppose us politically, and therefore you are politicizing things. And it's not that anyone's politicizing anything. If anything, it's the Republicans who are politicizing it by making it part of the political platform. We should all look at that conduct and say, Donald Trump is disqualified. But because the Republicans are now full MAGA, they're a cult, they won't push Donald Trump out ever. And in fact, they get more and more extreme with even their other candidates and the entire party in the House of Representatives and MAGA Mike. They all support this day, so they're all in on it. So therefore, they say the use of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is politicizing the Constitution, and and it's not. And I just think what the Secretary of State did here was courageous. We'll wait for the Donald Trump post. He's going to post photos of her. He's going to threaten her life. Now all of her family members are going to get death threats. 
That's what's going to happen. I don't even know if it's happened yet, but over the next few hours, that will happen. Trump will post photos of her. He's going to post photos of, of, of her children. He'll post photos of her house. He'll post other conspiracy theories about her. And now she will face death threats. And that will be endorsed by the modern day Republican Party. It, it is shameful. But that's why when we talk to Adam Kinzinger and we speak to people who are actually conservative, as we'll talk a bit about later on the show, Kinzinger says we all need to be a part of this pro-democracy alliance right now. Ben, we may disagree, he says, on certain policies and issues. That's fine. We all need to come together under the pro-democracy banner when it comes to this 2024 election and then make sure that fascism and MAGA does not prevail because then we will never have elections ever again. Let's talk a little bit about some other updates uh, in the court proceedings. You've got the Second Circuit Court of Appeals denying Donald Trump's uh, request for a stay of the E. Jean Carroll. Uh, proceeding. Donald Trump is arguing that because he's contemplating bringing a petition for certiorari before the United States Supreme Court on the issue of absolute presidential immunity, because this E. Jean Carroll case relates to statements Trump made while he was in office in 2019. Donald Trump is arguing that it should be stayed while he contemplates whether or not he's going to be bringing the case to the United States Supreme Court, which is interesting because Donald Trump argued in the context of the criminal case in Washington, D.C., that the Supreme Court should not hear the petition for certiorari yet. So now it'll be interesting if Donald Trump tries to seek a petition for certiorari in the E. Jean Carroll case on an emergency basis when he just said that there was no emergency basis when special counsel Jack Smith tried to file that direct uh, appeal with the United States Supreme Court. So Trump's kind of in a bind there on this issue of absolute presidential immunity, where he's making conflicting arguments in different court cases. In fact, before the Second Circuit, Donald Trump cited special counsel Jack Smith as authority for why the Second Circuit should stay the district court proceeding. Because Donald Trump's like, if Jack Smith thought it was so important to go to the Supreme Court on the issue of absolute presidential immunity, Second Circuit, you should stay the district court's <laughs> trial so I could think about it and I could consider it just the way Jack Smith wants to. <laughs> so, so in that instance, he, he's not deranged Jack Smith, Ben. In that instance, he's uh, scholarly Jack Smith with the correct order. I mean, just think about that. And at the same time, Donald Trump is going to the Supreme Court saying that Jack Smith is overplaying his hand and it should go through all of these levels first, to the district court of it, to the DC Circuit Court of Appeals before the Supreme Court. Trump's arguing to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals that Jack Smith makes some decent arguments about the importance on absolute presidential immunity. That's just, but ultimately the main theme here is what? Delay, delay, delay. That's all Donald Trump wants to do is delay all of these proceedings. And that's why, by the way, when it comes to the Colorado Supreme Court's disqualification decision and Donald Trump filing a petition for certiorari there to the Supreme Court, Donald Trump hasn't filed anything yet. Why? He wants to wait until the last minute because every day for him is to try to just delay all of these cases. In his own mind, you push all of this back, you delay the inevitable, and that benefits him. In the past, that has benefited him. But in the past, he hasn't gone against special counsel Jack Smith. 
or New York Attorney General Letitia James or Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis. It's it's a different group of people. And that's also why Donald Trump is just losing his mind and lashing out the way he is. And there's just been even a more rapid deterioration that we've been seeing totally. uh, you know, at, at all hours of the day in, in a different way than be- it was bad before. Like, how could it get worse? Well, it, it, it is getting worse. And also an interesting filing that Trump made before Judge Eileen Cannon. He continues to ask Cannon to basically do something that would finally allow Jack Smith to uh, appeal one of her rulings. And there's this thing called SEPA Section 4, which is a hearing that takes place um, in classified information cases that always take place just before the judge and the Department of Justice. The criminal defendant and the criminal defendant's lawyer under SEPA Section 4 can never be at these hearings because the judge has to rule if this national defense information is so top secret and sensitive and is not helpful to the criminal defendant such that it could be withheld and substituted in some form or fashion. So it's not even like a difficult issue here that uh, a criminal defendant nor a criminal defendant's lawyers get to appear at these hearings. They never do ever. It says so in the statute and every court case ever on this has always ruled no defense counsel and defendants cannot be at this hearing. But Donald Trump argues, well, this is an extraordinary circumstance. I want my lawyers to be there with Judge Eileen Cannon at this ex parte in-camera hearing, which is just a clear violation of the law. And as I said on my hot take, please, Judge Cannon, do do, that, do Donald Trump a solid there. Just you could grant his relief there because the soon as she does that, then special counsel Jack Smith will file the appeal to the 11th Circuit. And uh, if she rules that way, it will be so egregious that could even potentially be an opportunity to remove her from the case if she engages in that behavior. But she would definitely be overruled if she goes and and, and does what I think she's going to do. The same way back in 2022, she engaged in that extraordinary relief and accepted equitable jurisdiction, which no court did before. Donald Trump is basically asking her, hey, can you do that again in the context of SEPA, the Classified Information Procedures Act? And I'm just like, Judge Cannon, if you're watching this, Please do that. Listen to Trump because the Jack Smith just waiting for that, waiting for that. But those are those are your court updates. Yeah, you get the sense that Judge Cannon and Donald Trump kind of have the same goal, but Trump doesn't quite have the tact that Judge Cannon is trying to use trying for this. To. And so yeah, not 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 very well. But you know, she's held herself together just enough thus far. And then Donald Trump keeps trying to push her a little further, a little further, a little further, just ultimately to leading to his own demise. And so by all means, Donald Trump, keep pressuring her in this way. Let's see what happens. But, you know, as far as a lot of people thinking, you know, Donald Trump wants to delay all these cases. And when are these cases all going to happen? Of course, there is a chance that these cases are delayed from their original dates, like the March date and whatnot. But I think Jack's Smith seems pretty confident that the DC case is going to happen for sure in 2024. And if it is delayed, it will only be by a little bit. So I think Donald Trump could try to delay all he wants. This is not one of the civil cases that he is used to in the past where he was able to push these things farther and farther back. This is a completely new ball game. There is, of course, an urgency to it. And I think Donald Trump's attempts to delay this till after the election will ultimately fail. 
look, what do I say that MAGA stands for? It's fascism plus idiocracy. It also stands for make attorneys, get attorneys. But MAGA is fascism plus idiocracy. And fortunately, the idiocracy exceeds the fascism by multiples. These are not very competent people who are part of this MAGA team, the MAGA legal team, the the MAGA movement. And then they also, to compound it, think they're smart. It's such a dangerous kind of combination Mm -hmm. that they're so unqualified, but yet they think they are the most qualified. And because they only live in their echo chamber with people saying, how do you make it look so easy? How great are you? They don't realize that in the actual judicial system that we have, they are laughed out of court. There's a reason why Alina Haba in the Southern District of Florida was sanctioned nearly a million dollars. And then she brags about being sanctioned when she goes to these like Trump traveling fascist circus rallies. Goes, I was sanctioned for a million bucks. Look at me. I bet you didn't know that. That's the fake news right there. I don't even know what that even the fake news. Like, what, are you, what are you talking about? Everybody knew you were sanctioned. Maybe not on the media networks you appear on, but but she, but she, she also, showed up on one today on uh, on Newsmax, and you had Sebastian Gorka, this far right wing guy, was filling in for another far right wing guy, Greg Kelly. And let me just show you how this interview went. Like, I don't even understand from a viewer's perspective, like how this is even like an interesting thing to watch, where a MAGA lawyer shows up. And then the host just goes, how are you so good? <laughs> the host, how by the way, who you? was an aide to Donald Trump as well. Like So like when you watch all of these MAGA propaganda networks, just for one second, take a pause. Look at who all the hosts are. You got mm-hmm. Kimberly Gar- You got Kimberly Gilfoyle. You got Seb- <laughs> slip of the tongue. I swear. You got um, you got Sebastian Gorka. You have all of these people from Trump world who are either extremely close allies to Donald Trump or literally Donald Trump's family members or were in the Trump administration. These are all the hosts on the network. It's they so North Korea. To, it's so <laughs> it's, it's so North, North Korea. Korea. And then they ask questions just like. Like this. You make it look just so easy. You walk up to the insane lying press and you just, you know, you, you just have no podium, no teleprompter, and you just crush them. What? How do you make it look so easy, Alina? Uh, patriotism. I think it's the same thing that you suffer from, right? <laughs> we love our country. And I, I haven't had any training. PR is not my thing. I'm a lawyer, um, but I'm passionate about the president getting back to business and cleaning up our country. And when you have passion for anything and you have the facts on your side, I think it's relatively easy to speak from the heart. No one's ever accused you of being qualified. No one's ever accused you of being good. Other than your right-wing echo chamber media, you you are the worst lawyer maybe in the history of the United States because it combined <laughs> As I said, this like idiocracy meets this view that she's good. Like that's what makes it extra dangerous. Like Christina Bob, who's like really horrific, she also is just so bad, you almost kind of feel bad for her. And I think she kind of recognizes that she's really, really bad as well. But with Alina Haba, it's this, it's this confidence. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's just 
the worst. That confluence of factors is what is such a potently dangerous combination there. And, and you see her going on there and goes, hey, she, she, you know, there's no humility at all. It's just like, yeah, yeah I am great. It's called patriotism, though. Ben, I think you're onto something with this MAGA confidence that they spew. When Haba was talking about being having to pay the one million dollar fine to the Trump crowd, do you know how like demented that actually is? Because she's bragging about having to pay this one million dollars that that crowd likely donated to the fund that paid her to 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 represent Donald Trump in the first place. Like these funds where where Haba's getting this money from are coming directly from the MAGA grift, if you will. So she is truly just an unbelievable character here in, in all of this. And you want to talk about Newsmax really quickly. The reason why you see James Comer, you know, moving away from Fox because Fox decides to ask him actually legitimate questions about his quote unquote investigation and to Newsmax, it's because you get weird softball Q&As like that over there. And it's this whole, what did you say? I said Newsmax is T-ball. Fox is giving him softballs. Like the questions Hilarious. that he's being asked on Hilarious. Fox, I do see, yeah. are still softball questions that totally. anybody should be able to answer. Like, okay, what? it's not like a complex issue. Can you cite me the specific statute line number? No, it's like, what is the crime you're investigating? Okay, that was the question that got Comer angry. What is the crime you're investigating? Frankly, anytime they are challenged even slightly, they view it as some sort of grand media conspiracy against them, like no matter what the subject is. Meanwhile, they are just subject, quite frankly, to the same kinds of questions that Democrats get on a daily basis. In fact, Democrats are probably held to a much higher standard day in and day out by the news media, and you don't see them complaining in the same ways that the Republicans complain. And we'll see this, you know, how it looks in the, a microcosm of this with Nikki Haley's answer that she, she gave to somebody at a town hall, just a random person through her the most, I was going to say the most softball question, but going by our analogy, T-ball wasn't even easy enough for this question. It was the world's easiest question about what the cause of the civil war was. She refused to say the word slavery. And then she starts blaming that, oh, this is probably some democratic plant, or as she would say, Democrat plant. I was tricked. They were trying to trip me up. It's always excuse after excuse after excuse. Let me show you this other clip too, from that same interview uh, with Sebastian Gorka and Alina Haba. And Sebastian Gorka goes, doesn't it seem like Jack Smith is running scared? You know, and then and then Alina Haba is like, it does seem like he's running scared. Why would he be running scared? He ran to the Supreme Court so that they could hear Donald Trump's appeal. That Donald Trump is appealing the district court's denial on absolute <laughs> presidential immunity grounds. Donald Trump was running scared. He asked the Supreme Court not to hear on a direct basis his own appeal. Donald Trump celebrates that the Supreme Court said, no, we're just going to wait to see what the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals does first before we entertain a petition for certiorari. After Alina Habba has been saying on all of these networks that they want the Supreme Court to step in. 
So Jack Smith was like, okay, you want the Supreme Court to step in, Alina? Is that what you want? Okay, Supreme Court, this is an extraordinary issue. Can you step in? And then what does Alina and Donald Trump's team go? No, 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 no. We don't want you to step in. Let's delay. Let's wait. Look at what the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is doing. Why, if you believe you had a slam dunk defense that you've been bragging about, and you know you could be vindicated by the Supreme Court where you've appointed three of the nine justices, and the other three are very right wing as well, so you have a six to three court in your favor, if you believe that, why would you not go to them and say, hey, vindicate me now? You'd No, no, no. I'd rather go to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Who's running scared, Alina? And just watch this word salad answer of hers. It, it is embarrassing as a lawyer to watch this even transpire. Here, play this clip. Alina, <clears throat> it sounds to me as if Jack Smith is running scared. Yeah, this is called a due process violation. They do it in the form of a gag order. He should be scared. He doesn't want basically any defense being brought by the defense. It's what happened with the last trial I tried. It's what will happen with the next one I try. These judges will gag you. They will try and use his popularity and his voice as a way to work against us and the American people so that people cannot hear the truth. That, that whole list— is the defense. That's saying you cannot put your own defense on. Yeah. That's like saying you can't have an expert on the Letitia James case or gagging his lawyers, which has happened to me. You can't. I was gagged in the courtroom. Imagine, Sebastian, in the courtroom, I could not put on a defense on the record for the appellate division. I couldn't say things that needed to be said. That is what our country has come to. And Jack Smith is running scared because he has no case. Jack Smith is James running That's called a gag order. No, it's not called a gag order. It's called a motion in limine. Jack Smith can file motion in limines. You, Alina Habba, can file motion in limines. Then you can each file oppositions to each other. Because guess what, Alina Habba? This happens in every single case. Every case. The defense and the prosecution files motions in limine, then opposition to each other's motions in limine, where they believe that there's information that is not relevant, like the fact that Trump wants to introduce things about the Fed, their claim that it was a Fed surrection and that the FBI caused the insurrection and ghost buses and all of these things. Jack Smith's like, yeah, that's not relevant to what the criminal charges are. So exclude that as evidence. And you can oppose that. And you can say, no, that should come in. And you'll file your own motions and limines. But that's not called a gag order. And then whining about the gag order. I was gagged in court. I couldn't put on a defense. I was gagged. They gagged me in court. So what? You couldn't attack the judge's principal law clerk? That's what you were gagged with. That you can't att Who attacks the judge's law clerk in a case? That's not something that happens in normal society. You go, you know, but what ben, ben prevented her from being able to put on her defense. She couldn't. She couldn't defend. Can't put on my defense. I really uh, wanted to attack Judge Angoran's law principal law clerk. I didn't like the way she was looking at me and passing notes to the judge. What in the world are you talking about? It's just. And by the way, you know, it's idiotic, but it's just it's lame. Like, like I watch that and I'm like. Oh my God, like, you know, these are just the biggest group of whiny losers. And I do like how Adam Kinzinger is kind of leading the way to and showing, look, 
You do have to call these people out as losers and whiny and weak. They like when you call them authoritarian. They like when you call them a dictator. They like when you talk about how they want to seize power. They want to be authoritarians, and they're a bunch of losers. And that's as we talk a little bit later in the show about what this whole smelly Trump hashtag is about. And by the way, lots of people coming forward saying that it is putrid. It has been known for a long time. But, but, but also to his cult who thinks that he's infallible, when you talk and you show that not only is he very fallible, but he is disgusting and, and putrid and weak and a loser and whiny. And when you point out what Alina Habba is doing there, and she goes, that's called a gag order. No, that's a motion in limine, Alina Habba. That's filed in every case. And Jack Smith isn't running scared. He ran to the Supreme Court to hear your own client's appeal. And your own client said, don't hear my appeal, Supreme Court. Don't you do that? Because Trump is a weak, scared, fragile just despicable person and, and and the weakness and the loserness and the complaining they just go around to all these networks and just whine it's exactly what we teach our kids and grandkids not to be is the way this maga movement be it i want to talk about i want to talk about all of that we got a lot more to discuss as well. I, I want to show that Nikki Haley uh, clip as well, Brett. I want to also show like the contrast between like what is going on right now in the world as President Biden has this momentum, and then you see with all Show of this right wing media what they're talking about right now, and it's some really weird and, and, and unhinged stuff. We'll, we'll show that for you. That and more when we come back after our first quick break. Sometimes the smallest changes make the biggest impact, and Trade Coffee is a great addition to your New Year routine. Trade is a subscription service that sources the best coffee across the country and brings it to your doorstep. They've built relationships with over 55 local roasters, so you can enjoy their craft from the comfort of your own home. There's multiple ways to experience coffee with Trade. Sign up for a subscription or try one of their starter packs today. Since I signed up with Trade Coffee, it has been a complete game changer for my routine. Every single week, I get the best coffees in the country, in the world, delivered straight to my door. I received an incredible blend a couple weeks ago from Kenya. This week, I received an amazing coffee from Ethiopia. Every single coffee that I've received from Trade has been top of the line, and you know that I would not say that about any coffee. You take this quiz. It's super easy. You tell it what kind of coffees you like. If you like it, a light roast, a medium roast, a dark roast, how you like to make your coffee. Do you use an arrow? press? Do you use a French press? Do you use an espresso machine? You tell it exactly how you like it. They pair you with the best coffees and ship it straight to your door. It's that easy and it is that good. Jumpstart this year by signing up with a trade subscription. Right now, trade is offering a free bag with select subscription plans when you visit drinktrade.com slash Midas. It's a great deal. That's drinktrade.com slash M-E-I-D-A-S for a free bag with select subscription plans. Welcome back, Brett. That's many go. people are saying, many people are saying that that is a great ad read right there. A plus. Well, I, well, I you actually, you really love the product. Like you really. Yeah, 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 yeah. You I can think, tell. I think, 
it helps when I really love the product. I, I literally, like right before this, just got a bag delivered. I haven't gotten a chance to see it. But I've been obsessively drinking the trade coffee every single day. Honestly, every single bag that I've received has been like, <laughs> the, 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 the greatest. I, I made a, a cappuccino for myself before Ooh. with it. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with this service, and I am like the biggest coffee snob, and I would not endorse just any sort of coffee product. I'm, I'm telling you that. All the links, by the way, to all of our sponsors are always, if, if you're looking for them, are always in the description below. Brother, should we talk about this Nikki Haley uh, thing that's going on right uh, how now. could we not be how could we not yeah i mean it's it's been an utter disastrous 24 hours for nikki haley and it seems like the more that she tries to kind of correct herself the worse things get for nikki haley so here's what happened she was in new hampshire at a town hall and she was asked probably one of the most simple of questions now we're going to play the clip for you it's a little hard to hear the person asking the questions but his question is just what was the cause of the civil war in your opinion? What do you think the cause was? Nikki Haley refused to say slavery, and it was even so much more uncomfortable than that. Listen to her response here. Please, um, what was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm sorry? I'm not president. I, 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 I want to see your view on the cause of the Civil War. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government. We need to have capitalism. We need to have economic freedom. We need to make sure that we do all things so that individuals have the liberties, so that they can have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do or be anything they want to be without government getting in the way. What do you want me to say about slavery? Next question. What a what a well crafted question. And honestly, Brett, those are the types of questions that need to be asked to these GOP candidates. I, I know that a lot of the interviewers like to hear themselves speak, but sometimes you just got to give it like a basic question, answer, and then okay, and 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 then move because that's how they answer questions like that. Going back to the beginning, there's a softball. It was, uh, or it wasn't even a softball. It was a t-ball, and she acted like right, right at the front of the question. She was like, "Oh, you're going to ask me a tough question, aren't you? Going to ask me?" And then I want you to note, like, just listen carefully when you listen to that clip and when you listen to these other clips. How Nikki Haley takes the words of the sort of iconography of the United States of America and turns them on their heads. And this is what the Republican Party does about everything. In that clip, what did she speak about in her response? What did she say it was about? She said it was about the freedom. Freedom. But whose freedom was she speaking about? She was not speaking about freeing slaves. She was speaking about the freedom of Southerners to own slaves. That's how twisted her logic was when she was speaking there. And you'll hear her use similar phrases like that in order to justify some of the most horrific acts in our nation's history. Now, President Biden was incredibly quick to respond. He responded to the clip by just simply saying on social media, it was about slavery. 
clear, concise, the moral clarity that we should expect any leader to have on this issue. And the way Nikki Haley has responded to this question is perhaps even more revealing than her original answer. She keeps digging deeper and deeper and deeper. First, as I mentioned earlier, her first response after the fact was to call the questioner a, quote, Democrat plant designed to trip her up. As Andrew Kaczynski of CNN said, that would imply that asking what caused the civil war is a trick question. It was not a trick question. It was a very basic question with a very simple answer, and Nikki Haley was afraid to answer the question. So Nikki Haley immediately, bright and early this morning, goes on cleanup duty, and this was her first call-in to the cable networks to try to explain what she meant. The war was about slavery. We know that. That's, that's the easy part of it. What I was saying was, what does it mean to us today? What it means to us today is about freedom. That's what that was all about. It was about individual freedom. It was about economic freedom. It was about individual rights. Our goal is to make sure, no, we never go back to the stain of slavery, but what's the lesson in all of that? What individual freedom are you speaking about, Nikki Haley? Once again, the economic freedom to do what? And she goes, the what's the lesson in all of that? That slavery is horrible. That slavery yes. is bad. Like it's a, it's not, it's not some Rubik's cube here. Like that's the lesson. This there. isn't some, this isn't some trick. Uh, Jordy, sorry to go. No, I was going to say, for, forget it for a second, if you can, even the contents of what she was even saying, like just the fact of how she responded to the question is disqualifying from a pure leadership perspective. To your point, Brett, she gets asked the question, what does she do first? One complete silence. And then all of a sudden there's this weird, odd, <clears throat> deep sigh. And then she says, oh, you can't come to me with an easy one from, from, from the start, I see. And then she does this weird trope that I've noticed these MAGA Republicans continue to do when they get asked a question that they're too cowardly to answer themselves, even if it's an obvious, you know, Q&A like this, where they put it back on the person asking the question, who's not running for office. Do you notice in that clip, she tries to put it back to them? Yeah, she, she, asks, goes, she asks the questioner uh, the answer to his question. Yeah, it's like, and the questioner was great. He goes, I'm not running for the presidency yeah. of the United States. Well, so let's look at her. Well, let's, look at her let, let's look at her second cleanup attempt. Round two didn't work. Nikki, uh, round one didn't work. Here's Nikki, round two, speaking in front of another group in New Hampshire. Yesterday I was at, last night I was asked about the Civil War and what I think of the Civil War, what was the cause of the Civil War. Of course the Civil War was about slavery. We know that. That's unquestioned, always the case. We know the Civil War was about slavery. But it was also more than that. It was about the freedoms of every individual. It was about the role of government. For 80 years, America had the decision and the moral question of whether slavery was a good thing and whether government, economically, culturally, any other reasons, had a role to play in that. By the grace of God, we did the right thing and slavery is no more. But the lessons of what that bigger issue with the Civil War are, is that let's not forget what came out of that, which is government's role, individual liberties, 
freedom for every single person, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do and be anything you want to be without anyone or government getting in your way. That should be the goal of what we always try and take away from that, right? Because we never want to return back to that place. But we always want to remember the lesson of what it means to be a free individual and that everyone deserves to be a free individual. So we stand by that. I say that as a Southerner. I say that as a Southern governor who removed the Confederate flag off the State House grounds. And I say that as a, a proud American of how far we have come. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't even know what her answer means. It sounds like she's sort of trying to play both sides of this issue and still say that while slavery was an issue, there was a bigger issue, individual freedom, the government telling you what you can and can't do. Yeah, they were trying to tell them that they can't own slaves. Like, I don't understand the both sides of this issue that Nikki is trying to say in her sort of word salad statements that she keeps making. Um, but the fact is, Nikki Haley, like she even said there, she has done positive things on this issue. She did take down the Confederate flag from the state house. She should be touting things like that. But she is afraid of the MAGA base. And a lot of people are acting shocked about this recent statement from Nikki Haley. And by the way, I bet Nikki Haley was quite confused by the reaction that she received from her statements. Why do I say that? Because Nikki Haley has been using that same exact answer for at least a decade, but she was never called out on it until she hit the national stage. Our researchers have found a clip from 2010 where Nikki Haley is speaking, and yes, what I'm about to say is accurate, in front of a neo-Confederate group in South Carolina. Because when you are running for South Carolina governor as a Republican, you need to get the support of these neo-Confederate groups. And just like she did on the national stage when she was speaking in New Hampshire running for president, back in 2010, Nikki Haley gave the same answer and refused to say that slavery was a reason for the Civil War. Watch this from 2010. What's your belief about the reason the Civil War was fought? I mean, again, I think that as we look in government, as we watch government, you have different sides. And I think that you see passions on different sides. And I don't think anyone does anything out of hate. I think what they do is they do things out of tradition and out of beliefs of what they believe is right. Um, I think you had one side of the Civil War that was fighting for tradition, and I think you had another side of the Civil War that was fighting for change. You know, at the end of the day, what I think we need to remember is um, that, you know, everyone is supposed to have their rights. Everyone's supposed to be free. Everyone's supposed to have the same um, freedoms as anyone else. So, you know, I think it was tradition versus change is the way I see it. Tradition versus change on what? On individual rights and liberty of people. She said that the Civil War was about the South fighting for tradition, is what she put it, as she put it, versus the Union fighting for change. Tradition versus change. That's how she phrased it in 2010 when speaking in front of one of these neo-Confederate groups, these neo-Confederate voters. So this has been in Nikki Haley's kind of political DNA now for at least a decade as far as we know, because she understands 
I believe, that she needs to win over these voters to win in a place as a Republican to get on to get past a primary in a place like South Carolina. Yep. Now, on the national stage, that is not the same. Now, the sick thing is, it's possible that this could even potentially help her in the Republican primary right now, where you have voters who want to hear things like Nikki Haley said, although I bet they will be upset by her horrific backtracking, but they will be upset by the backtracking nonetheless. But, you know, it goes to the point that Chris Christie has been trying to make over the past couple of weeks to critics like myself who have, quite frankly, been saying, you know what, maybe it's we're getting to that point where we have to consolidate the race a little bit, try to give Trump a run for his money in these primaries. And you have Chris Christie going out there making a good point, making a good rebuttal to me and people saying things like me saying, hey, if I'm not in the race, then we're just left with Nikki Haley, who is a stooge for Donald Trump. And yep. so Chris Christie put this new ad on the air in New Hampshire, just a very simple concept, direct to camera, rebutting the critics. Here it is. Some people say I should drop out of this race. Really? I'm the only one saying Donald Trump is a liar. He pits Americans against each other. His Christmas message to anyone who disagrees with him, rotten hell. He caused a riot on Capitol Hill. He'll burn America to the ground to help himself. Every Republican leader says that in private. I'm the only one saying it in public. What kind of president do we want? A liar or someone who's got the guts to tell the truth? New Hampshire, it's up to you. I'm Chris Christie, and you bet I approve this message. And he makes a good point. I think that's a, a, a good way to put it. And Nikki Haley just continues to just her handle this in the worst possible ways. I just saw before we logged on, CNN's Eva McKend was reporting tonight from another Nikki Haley rally, and she said the following, quote, Nikki Haley just got a brutal question from a voter who told her on, quote, moral clarity, she was coming up short. He said she, quote, had a chance to redeem herself after last night's slavery thing, end quote, if she would categorically reject if she would ever be Trump's running mate. She did not. And that's the thing when you get into places like New Hampshire, when you get yep. into more independent-minded places where the Republicans are not all full MAGA. Your pathway to actually defeat somebody like Donald Trump is not to be like Donald Trump, is not to be like MAGA. Your pathway to victory is to prove that you are somebody with principles who is willing to stand up to the Donald Trumps of the world. And that is exactly Chris Christie's point that he's making when he releases those videos and when he rebuts the critics. How about the broader point with those questions, those types of voters showing up at a Nikki Haley event, looking for moral clarity in condemning Donald Trump and what that even means for the general election and showing that America is not MAGA. Right. The American people are smart by and large and understand the threat of MAGA, the fascism by MAGA, the idiocracy by MAGA, and they see the contrast between Donald Trump saying things like, may they rot in hell, Merry Christmas. That was his Christmas Day message Donald Trump posted about his perceived political opponents. May they rot in hell. Merry Christmas, then went on to post, Jack Smith should go to hell in another post, just went on a, a posting rampage. And you compare that to the alternative, President Joe Biden, and President Joe Biden's been pushing back. I think he feels the momentum 
heading into 2024. And here's what Joe Biden posted right above a news article that says, Donald Trump says, may they rot in hell, Merry Christmas. Joe Biden responds on a tweet above saying, there's an expression they say in church sometimes, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. That's what Joe Biden said, an inherently decent and good human being. And by the way, a devout religious person, though, who understands the separation between church and state, mm-hmm. he doesn't shove that in your face that he goes to church every week. He doesn't shove his beliefs in your face, in your face, but he continues to live a life with moral clarity. And that's what it's all about. And people living up to values, no matter what religion or no religion um, that that you support and uh, that you follow. So Brett, there's a lot of momentum heading into 2024, I think, by President Biden. And uh, there was a great article recently by Simon Rosenberg, um, a friend of the Midas Touch Network, a contributor to MidasTouch.com. Um, he put out an article, an op-ed, Biden's 2024 chances are much stronger than people realize. It's also the front page of the right-wing leading Drudge Report that talks wow. about how underestimated President Biden is heading into 2024. And here's what Simon Rosenberg said. As we head into 2024, the conventional wisdom is that Democrats are on the back foot for next year's elections. But there are three reasons I I'm optimistic that 2024 is going to be a good year for Democrats. First, President Joe Biden has kept his central promise in the 2020 election that he would lead the nation to the other side of COVID successfully. The pandemic has receded. Our economic recovery has been better than any other G7 nation. GDP grew at an annual rate of 4.9% last quarter and more than 3% for the Biden presidency. We have the best job market since the 1960s and the lowest uninsured rate in U.S. history. The Dow Jones broke 37,000 this month for the first time. Wage growth, new business formation, and prime age labor participation rates are all at historically elevated levels. Prices fell, yes, fell last month. Rents are softening and gas prices and crime rates are falling. Domestic oil and renewable production are at record levels. You know, the drill baby drill crowd, more drilling under President Biden while making sure to make important strides in the right direction to uh, climate reform and climate change reform. The annual deficit, which exploded under Trump, is trillions less today. Consumer sentiment has risen sharply in recent weeks, and measures of life, job, and income satisfaction are remarkably high. There is no doubt that recent years have been hard. COVID and insurrection direction at the Capitol, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, repeated OPEC price hikes, global and domestic inflation. But it is increasingly clear that America is getting to the other side of this challenging period and are in a far better place than when President Biden took office. Second, the strength of the president's record is only matched by the strength of his party. I don't think it is widely understood how strong the Democratic Party is right now. The party has won more votes in seven of the past eight presidential elections, something no party has ever done in modern American history. Over the last four presidential elections, Democrats have averaged 51% of the popular vote, their best showing over four national elections since the 1930s. And then he goes on to tout the Democrats' wins in recent elections and how Trump and Republicans have only pushed voters away with their attack on women's rights and other policies. And of course, the New York Times headline and others will be why this is bad for the Democratic Party. 
I don't want to get complacent here at all, but I do want to acknowledge that the data is what Simon Rosenberg says it is. And if the data was the opposite direction, I would be saying that this is bad data. Mm -hmm. Follow the data here, not contrived media-driven narratives and feelings that kind of have a kind of a a, a cycle of doom that they yeah. create. And, and here's the difference maker right now, though, as we head into 2024. It is you. It's you watching this. It's this community that you created. What we are showing here at the Midas Touch Network and this community is that this doom and gloom both sides kind of horse race coverage that the media believes will get them ratings actually doesn't. People are leaving them because you and others look at that and go, this is horrible. You you, you hate watch it for a few minutes and go, I hate this. And then you turn it off usually and put on a Midas Touch video because you know we'll be data-driven. And as I've said at the outset of the show, I welcome pro-democracy competition. And if the media doesn't want to compete with pro-democracy messaging, then I look forward to putting them out of business. But I think they are recognizing this as well. And I think that's important to point out. But look what right-wing media is covering, Brett. I think that's important to, to look at as well. If you compare what I just read to you, what is it that right-wing media has to do to kind of scare its base? Take a look at what Fox was saying today, complaining about, you guessed it, gas stoves. Play it. I mean, I've made fun a little bit of the vice president saying that, you know, now she's uh, went from being the border czar to being in charge of posting gas stove selfies. But on a serious note, folks like myself who own a gas stove are concerned that the administration really does intend to do things like try to get rid of them. Well, and you should be. You know, I own a gas stove, too. I don't care if you're on natural gas or, like me, on propane gas or whether you're on pull-my-finger gas. You know, the administration and the federal government should have no impact or input on what you have for a stove. Okay, so Fox running with a fake story that they <laughs> created that President Biden and Democrats are trying to take away gas stoves. President Biden and Democrats are not trying to take away gas stoves, period. No, but, period. It's it's false. It's made up. There's nothing true about that at all. Some consumer agency said, you know what? Gas stoves aren't the safest thing out there because that's data-driven and that's a fact. No one said we're taking away your gas stoves. But Fox is out there attacking Vice President Harris and her husband, for taking a photo over the holidays by a gas stove. That is what they are talking about for an entire segment on Fox. And that is where we all have to look at that and go, who does that? <laughs> who does that? And it is okay to say, that's just loser behavior. Like, that's weird. Like, I'm okay saying that. Like, yes, it's dangerous, but it's also like, that's just some weirdo socio. And Ben, I want to say- I want to say this too, because if if you or somehow stumbled upon this, you know, I, I, I don't know how YouTube recommendation algorithm is something. You're a a right wing. You're you're a, you're a Trump person, right? You're a Fox viewer. Um, don't you ever get upset that you are being lied to over and over and over and over again? At what point 
do you stop watching and go, you know what? They think I'm an idiot. They yeah. think <laughs> I am a fool. If I watch that segment with Sebastian Gorka and Alina Habba telling me, oh, look, how, how are you so great, Alina Habba? Oh, Jack Smith is running scared. And then I turn on to Fox and I see they're coming for your gas stoves. At a certain point, I'd be like, why are you lying to me? Like, why are you lying to me? Can't you just give me the facts? Like, I could handle it. And the fact is, there are a lot of people who watch the Midas Touch Network on YouTube, who listen to the Midas Touch podcast mm -hmm. on audio, who visit MidasTouch.com to read articles, who are actually real conservatives. And we lift up a lot of real conservative voices, not this MAGA crap, but we are lifelong, we've been lifelong Democrats for the most part, because we have felt that that is the party that represents democracy. But that does not mean that we don't, that we are not able to highlight these pro-democracy voices from all ends. For example, here's a comment that I saw online from a conservative voter that was going viral just yesterday. I'll read it for you. Used to be GOP. This person says, I'm a conservative, but one, slavery was the main cause of the civil war. Two, January 6th was an insurrection led by Donald Trump. Three, Trump gave a wink nod approval for his VP to be hung for not breaking the law for him. Four, grown functioning adult men do not speak or behave the way Donald Trump does. How freaking hard is that, people, said this social media user. And that's the thing. Those ideals and the things that we speak about on this show are not left and right issues. They are just American issues. They are pro-democracy issues, but they are issues that the networks that lie to you, like Fox and Newsmax and OAN, want to turn into left and right issues. They want to turn basic decency into left and right issues. They want to turn basic matters of the rule of law into these left or right issues when that is simply not the case. You see hope out there, though, when you actually see the voters interviewed, right? When you see the people behind a lot of these numbers. And for example, here was a Pennsylvania voter, independent Erie voter, Erie, Erie Pennsylvania, who gave her opinion on if she would ever vote for Donald Trump. Independent voter, Erie Pennsylvania. Listen to what she had to say. I just cannot vote for Trump, and I think he's probably... Um, all indications are he's going to be the Republican nominee. And I just um, think that he will take this country in a very bad direction. She said that he will take this country in a very bad direction. She's an independent voter from Erie, PA. If you don't know Erie, PA, that's northern PA. So in the last few election cycles, it's lean Democratic, but it is and has been primarily reddish for, you know, it's, 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 it's period of time, but it's getting more purple. And so when you see someone like that woman out there who's saying, I cannot vote for Donald Trump because he, he's, he, what he would do to this country. That's the sentiment, Ben, that I like that you, you had said before that America is not MAGA. America is actually that independent woman right there who sees the danger in front of us. If Donald Trump were to be reelected and isn't scared to go on whichever news network and speak out about that, especially being from Erie PA, that is awesome right there. Well, let's go back to what Fox is talking about. <laughs> Fox, this other segment, was apparently speaking about the search results by the country of 
who, what states in the country were searching LGBTQ terms, and how do you even? They, they did a whole them? segment on which states search "mi gay" more than other states, and this is a segment that Fox put on the air. Here, play play this. Closer look at those searches reveals that Utah led in the nation in searches for "mi gay," "mi a lesbian." And MI Trans, the market research firm behind the numbers, pointed to the state's traditionally conservative social values as a potentially significant factor. These findings published last week by the uh, Cultural Currents Institute. And Tammy, you've had an interesting take on this. Yeah, well, that's classic spin, right? I mean, they're looking at Utah or the issue of that. It's about social conservative values. The fact is, is that you've got people who are hearing these terms and they may be curious. You don't know why someone is typing that in. Maybe their kids said it to them and they want to learn more about that. Okay. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite the spin. It, it's just so good. You've got an interesting take on this. Let's all sit around this phony couch and start to just spew ridiculous statements all morning. Let's try to distract Americans and let's scare American parents in red states that somehow it's some democratic agenda is the reason why your kids are searching Am I gay? And let's let's talk about this this morning. One of the things I talk about too is, you know, these Republican groups are just uh, uh, they wake up, they think about genitals, they mm-hmm. think of they they think about sex every day. That's all they want to talk about. Whenever there's a scandal, the thing that they care most about is like the sex aspect of it. When it comes to Hunter, they always want to show you all of the- Bro, they got Hunter's nudes saved in their favorites, like ready to go. Any at, at the hearings, they'll be like to the when they call the Twitter executives, like, why why did you take that down? And the Twitter executive be like, because it's a it's a naked photo that you are trying to post. We don't want naked photos, non-consensual nudes of anybody on our platform. And that is what the MAGA Republicans talk about each and every day. And, and we just gotta call them out on it, which is mm-hmm. like just, just get a this is not the role of government. Just get away from us. And then you start learning like, oh, the moms of liberty, co-founder in Florida who sits on the Sarasota school board, is involved in all of these threesome trysts. And one of the women in the threesomes is accusing her husband of sexual abuse. We now heard about an arrest in Pennsylvania from one of these other, quote, parental rights, right-wing groups of the mom who was arrested for giving the kids underage alcohol and throwing these like uh, depraved like parties at like her at her home. It, it's all these people who are so utterly hypocritical who want to mm-hmm. in the right wing who He's want the, to get into our bedrooms and into yep. your doctor's offices because they have you what books your kids can read or can't read. They're absolutely deranged human beings. I want to go back really quickly before we move on, and I want to talk about why they Smell specifically it. also attacked. Yeah, to smell each other. Why they attack the VP and her husband, right? It's also what we talk about, like like the MAGAverse and especially MAGA commentators. They can't understand like familiar, like basic familial values of like loving, you know, thy neighbor, loving a husband, loving a wife. It, it, it can't get through to them. So what do they do when you see the picture of the VP and her husband? They have to find something, some some quote unquote flaw in their perception of, of what that photo is, and then attack it for a, a non-issue to just 
just, I don't know, stoke hatred and, and just to rally up their base. Because quite frankly, after reviewing both of those segments from Fox News, they don't have anything to run on. The Republican Party does not have anything to run on other than taking your rights away. So they have to manufacture these issues day in and day out. And quite frankly, again, if you're watching Fox News on a daily basis, I'm so, you have to be exhausted by the lies that they spew at you. And then, Jordy, you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene who like rubs the cardboard genitals of like a Donald Trump cardboard cutout. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. How depraved can you be? You've got Lauren Boebert who shows up to a play at a public theater in Denver and has to engage in public sex acts while blowing vape smoke on people's faces. Like, like what are – like when I say these things, it's like what are we even talking about? You know, this is a very conservative thing. I show up to the Beetlejuice show. I say Beetlejuice three times. I blow vape smoke on people's faces. I rub the genitals. Of the, of the of the guy, it's like, what are you doing? Like this, this is not normal, and it is important that we take the step back and say this behavior is not a both sides issue at the leadership level, which is important. The leadership level, the members of Congress, the right. members of the school board, the leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, their Speaker of the House, and MAGA Mike. The behavior at their leadership level is either extremist, depraved, kind of strange, and the contempt they show for their own people. Like when you got to see what were the Fox people talking about, their audience, it's what they would accuse Democrats to talk about their own viewers. And we don't. Like we don't spend the time going, oh, these Fox viewers. The way like Tucker and Hannity and Ingraham talked about their viewers were like their viewers were scum. Like when you read these text messages and that's how they treat their viewers. And then you have Bobert. Leaving the third congressional district in Colorado, which is a plus nine Republican, she's running against Adam Frisch, to instead run in the primary now in Colorado's fourth that Ken Buck is leaving. She's going to have a tough primary, and I'm not sure she's going to win. But if you're a Colorado voter and you say to yourself, wow, Lauren Boebert never gave a crap about the people of Colorado's third, doesn't give a crap about the people of Colorado's fourth, doesn't give a crap about the state of Colorado. And as I reflect on Lauren Boebert ditching the third congressional district, Brett, I recall that interview that we did at the Midas Touch Network with President Biden a few weeks back in Pueblo, Colorado, where President Biden called out Lauren Boebert at a windmill factory in her congressional district. And I just think about that timing. You remember that. That was when doom and gloom about Biden was at its peak. Yep. And President Biden was steady and calm. He shows up into that factory uh, in Pueblo, Colorado, and he speaks out against Lauren Boebert. He speaks out against her uh, conduct. Just for those who want to, just a reminder of the interview we did with President Biden before contrasting that with the smelly Trump stuff. Let me show you the interview we did with President Biden just a few weeks back. He went into her district. He talked about the jobs that the Infrastructure Act and the Inflation Reduction Act were bringing to that community. And three weeks later, four weeks later, what does Lauren Boebert do? Ditches the congressional district. Cause and effect. Play this clip. The 
MAGA Republican representative, though, of Pueblo, Colorado, is MAGA Republican Lauren Boebert. And she gives the alternative position there on the Inflation Reduction Act. And she says that the Inflation Reduction Act is a massive failure. And she said that it is another con by the Democrats. If I can, I want to show you a video of MAGA Republican Lauren Boebert talking. I apologize in advance for even showing this to you. But. And it does the exact opposite of what Americans need right now. This is just another con game by the Democrats calling something one thing Gentlemen's and saying another. This is making the IRS with Gentlemen's time has expired. The Pentagon, the State the woman, Department. Gentleman is no longer not. recognized. The gentleman from Missouri reserves the bell. Mr. Speaker. How much time do you need? The gentlewoman is no longer recognized. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. If it weren't so important to be humorous, unless you call it a massive failure, the only massive failure occurs in their thinking. The idea that in our own district, we've created so many new good paying jobs. And by the way, it's generating economic growth across the board, across the board. And when people get a good job, what they do is they have an opportunity to spend on things that their basic needs for themselves. And by the way, we cut the deficit by $7 billion that first year, okay? The idea that she's talking about this being a massive failure, I don't get it. I, I, I don't know whether they just don't understand anything or whether or not they, in fact, are... Uh, I hope she comes back here and tells the people in this factory, the largest wind turbine factory in the world, that this is a massive failure. It's our district. I invite her to come back. Come back and tell the folks back home this is a massive failure. Tell the folks back home that all that we've done to generate economic growth is not worth it. And I'd like to ask and explain how she supports not taxing billionaires more than 8%. I have trouble explaining it. But then again, I probably shouldn't waste my time trying to. Don't waste your time trying to, President Biden. Lauren Boebert has fled the third congressional fled. district. And I'm going to say, Ben, not I only know, is she not going to be invited back, she fled. Fled. I, I'm going to say this because uh, the media is too afraid to say this. So I'm going to say, Ben made by made Boebert flee. Yep. Just going to just going to say cause and effect. <laughs> ben enough. goes. Ben goes into Pueblo, Colorado with suit. President Biden wore the suit. I wore a few suit. weeks later, Lauren Boebert is out. She's just gone. And by the way, the new district that she is running in is like over 200 miles away from where she lives, which is apparently allowed in the state. She's allowed to do that. She has like no connection to the new district that she is running in. She was getting crushed in fundraising by Adam Frisch, who is one of the biggest uh, fundraisers like of any candidate out there. And Radham Frisch only lost by 546 votes. And she was also facing a two-front battle against a Republican attorney, Jeff Hurd, in the primary in Colorado's third. So she got scared. She got cold feet. She fled. Tom Bonnier made like the best point. Bobert lives about as far from the district in which she plans to run as New York City is to Boston, just to wow. give it some perspective. It is absolutely nuts. But anyway, let's talk about the important stuff, guys. And that's uh, well. Here's the thing: as you as you start to talk about Trump smells, I think it's important to let our audience know that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can do very deep legal analysis. We can do complex economic analysis. Right. But I think it is also important to point out 
that one of the weaknesses that wannabe authoritarians have is to point out their weaknesses. And that is historically true. And so when you see something that can kind of poke holes in the armor of a cult hoisting someone to a level of infallibility and not just bring someone down to earth, but to treat them the same way that they try to humiliate others and to let them know what it feels like, you have to really reserve that for the rarest of things because I really am not a big fan of doing this type of stuff in any other context other than when it comes to someone like Trump who wants to destroy our democracy and who is so vile and mean to others. So the fact that we have a big platform to speak up to that bully and let that bully know that the world knows what a stinky and putrid human being that that bully is, is something that we take very seriously here. Well, here's one, here's one of the wild things, Ben. You could call Trump a lot of things, right? You could call him a dictator. You could say that he quotes Hitler. You could say every horrific and true thing about him. He like he likes that. Like he 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 thrives in Great that. Point. He actually enjoys it. He himself posts, you know, the word uh, the word map that shows that revenge and dictatorship are the top two words describing another Trump term. What does he not like? What can he not stand? He cannot stand being humiliated the same way that other despots have been not being able to stand satire and being humiliated. And so somebody who was very good at getting under his skin apparently was Adam Kinzinger. And Adam Kinzinger, the former Republican congressman, he was on an interview today with Ben, by the way, which you could hear on the Midas Touch podcast audio feed. Remember to add the show anywhere you get audio podcasts. And also right here on the Midas Touch YouTube channel, we have a playlist on our page called Midas Interviews. You can see it right there. And Adam Kinzinger started this all off or brought it to a a wider spread attention when he said the following. He said, I'm genuinely surprised how people close to Trump haven't talked about the odor. It's truly something to behold. Wear a mask if you can. And then the most Trumpian thing imaginable, you would think anybody else would just let this quietly go away. But no, Donald Trump's team felt the need to respond. Donald Trump's yeah, team, a spokesperson, an unnamed spokesperson, said Adam Kinzinger farted on live TV and is an unemployed fraud, uh, told The Independent. He has disgraced his country and disrespects everyone around him because he is a sad individual who is mad about how miserable his life has turned out. Sounds like the ultimate projection in that statement. What? Adam Kinzinger, that never happened. And also they notably did not deny the claims of Donald Trump's odor. Uh, you had Kathy Griffin making similar they claims a few weeks ago on Mary Trump's podcast about Donald Trump's stench. And it seems like every single day, this keeps getting worse and worse and worse for Donald Trump as more people, get more fact gets, gets stinkier, causes a stink, causes a bit of a mess. Every single day, you have 
people coming out of the woodwork saying that they've been around Donald Trump and that it's true that he actually does have this horrific odor, which really scares people away, makes people want to like cringe when they're near him, causes people to flee. And this is a thing that's apparently been going on for a very, very long time. You know, we made a video here at Midas Touch, a little uh, comedic video with a, a sound showing the reaction that folks have when they are around Donald Trump, the visceral reaction on their face. So this is going to work better for the people watching on video right now, but we'll play this quick clip that we put together. What's that smell? I don't know. Hey guys, look, what is that? It is some kind of odor. It is foul. <laughs> it's, it's a foul odor. So today we're here in a bipartisan fashion to show leadership. <laughs> okay, this is the part where I'm going <laughs> to totally <laughs> I was able to do the video. <laughs> I was able to do the video on YouTube. It's got over a million views already. And I pretty much got through about the eight minute mark before uncontrollably laughing when I was reading all of the comments. Brett, let's try to have you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So in the video, you saw the Pope, you saw Melania Trump and numerous others uh, reacting to <laughs> being near Donald Trump. But, you know, Ben had a chance to interview Adam Kinzinger. You guys spoke about a lot of various, you know, very important topics. It was uh, a 20-minute interview. We covered a lot of important topics, but then I, I couldn't resist yeah, asking yes. Kinzinger the specifics, the specifics. Of, and so here's my inter here's the portion of my interview with Adam Kinzinger where I asked him, I said, you've been around him. What does it smell like? I'm genuinely surprised how people close to Trump haven't talked about the odor. It's truly something to behold, wear a mask if you can. Then Donald Trump responded to that, and he had his team go after you and say, no, Kinzinger is the one who's smelly. And as Hillary Clinton said, if you could be baited by a tweet, how are you supposed to be expected to handle Vladimir Putin and, and, and other authoritarians? And Donald Trump clearly got baited by your tweet and your post. But let, let's just start with your post, the odor, the stench, the stink. How bad is it? What do you know about that? Yeah, I mean, it's not good. I mean, think about uh, the best way to describe it. I, I've tried to like, so take like armpits, ketchup, uh, like a butt and kind of put it in a blender and makeup and put that all in a blender. And that's, and, and you bottle that as a cologne. That's kind of that. Um, but it's amazing. Like I've been amazed that, you know, everybody's just kind of like learning about this now. But again, I think the bigger point is he's a weak human being. But look at this. He had he had his people respond to me on this. By the way, they're always unnamed spokesmen because none of them want to put their names, even though I think I know who's doing this. Like they don't want to put their names behind that because they know that their words are going to live forever. And uh, like, my goodness, I mean, Vladimir Putin, I'm going to tell you, Xi, President Xi of China, they're licking their chops 
at the idea of another Donald Trump term, because I sat in the Oval Office once when Donald Trump begged a group of us to pull China ZTE out of the sanctions list from the National Defense Authorization Act because he made a personal uh, promise to President Xi because she asked him nicely on the phone. I mean, this is the kind of leader you know, of the greatest country in the world that we're looking at reinstating. And uh, the odor's the odor. And, you know, I think that needs to stay alive. People need to keep talking about it because he's the kind of guy that would use something like that all the time against other people. He needs a taste of his own medicine. So then later in the day, I had the opportunity on Political Beatdown to ask Michael Cohen, who was, of course, pretty close to Donald Trump. I wanted lots of data points. Kinzinger was near <laughs> Trump. And then I needed some more data points. I got to go to the source here. Right? Like any good, like any yeah. good lawyer, I need to go to the source. Right. So then I got another a character witness, another fact witness, if you will, in Michael Cohen. And Michael Cohen had a very interesting analysis where I showed Cohen a portion of Donald Trump's speech that he currently does. And Cohen had a great thought about it. Here, play this clip. Magic and just bad news, bad things are happening. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It was staring us in the face the whole time, Michael Cohen. It was you staring. understand when he's going like, eh, eh. Donald Von Schitzenpants. That's what he was doing. He was trying to figure out a way how he can sort of squeeze that sucker out, right? And he's, he's going, eh, eh, eh. It's like, you know, when you, were, you see like your baby when they're constipated. That's what Donald's doing. Can we play that again? And I'll show you the exact moment he lets it go. <laughs> Magic and just bad news, bad things are happening. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Right there. Right there. Right, right there. <laughs> right there. Right there. That, that was the moment. Right at that specific moment. By the way, Donald Trump does that at all of his speeches. He does this. <laughs> like, could you imagine? Uh, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe God. Biden. You want to go back to George H. W. Bush, George <laughs> W. Bush? Could you could you imagine Ronald Reagan, ladies, no. like a Ronald Reagan speech? Mr. Gorbachev, <laughs> he, he, Mr. Gorbachev. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I, I mean, this is. But here's the but the broader point that Kinzinger connected it to, though, is that this is a national disgrace. Like mm. this behavior, it is embarrassing for our country. And like the fact that people support this 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 smelly, stinky loser is like, who behaves that way? Donald Trump is a one of one stinky ass loser. And ben, let's just go like uh, you know we could, we could go through some other data points too. And by the way, it's a good time for, to also for the audio for the audio listeners only. Uh, one, you got to subscribe to the YouTube. Brett is literally in tears throughout this entire segment. Like he he's he's tearing up. Let's play. Wait, it, I'm, let's play I'm holding it together. Wait 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 wait. Can you hear me? Can you, you can hear me? Right? Yeah yeah. Okay. So so um. Political Beatdown, by the way, is the show you want to go if you want to hear Ben and Michael Cohen um, twice a week uh, break down all the news. You get some great insight, too, with Michael Cohen and all the cases. Make sure to add Political Beatdown 
podcast wherever you get your podcast if you're not listening. I do want to play though, uh, you know, some of the or show one of some of these uh, comments that we've received though, which seem to confirm what Adam Kinziger was saying. And let's see, I'll go. You know, there was somebody who was a doubter. Um, you know, to there, we had shown a clip of somebody else who said that in the '80s. Donald Trump was kicked out of a, a steakhouse called Keene's Steakhouse in Manhattan um, because he smelled and two people complained. This was a story that is going viral Do on we TikTok. We have the TikTok. I'm okay. I'm okay. We're all having fun in the chat right now. Do we have that TikTok? All right. Yeah. If, if you don't like this content, you could, you know, you got a good, you, you got a good first half. You're not, if you're not enjoying this, slightly, slightly OG Midas Touch Brothers but podcast. If right you're now. not enjoying this content, I, I respect it. You could watch the other one hour and 25 yeah, minutes of the show. The rest, the rest is for you. This is the re- for – The rest was for you. This is for this select group of people who enjoy this type of stuff. All right. So, so okay. So let's play, let's play the TikTok that's going viral. So you know when you post something and then someone bigger than you like Adam Kinzinger confirm it? And years ago I posted about Trump being kicked out of Keene Steakhouse in Manhattan where I was eating with my father in 1983 because his smell was so offensive. This wasn't an elderly thing, it was 1983. I wouldn't make fun of Trump today if it was an elderly thing. That's not what we do on the left. It happens to elderly people. Trump wasn't elderly. We didn't complain. The table next to him complained and the table behind him complained. We smelled it, but my father and I didn't complain about it. Trump was not elderly. The smell was so fucking offensive that they finally had to ask him to leave. And he did leave, quietly, right by us, and it wafted us. Trump's been shitting all over himself for almost 40 fucking years. He wafted us. Wafted us. So there were a lot of responses uh, to that video. And, you know, you had a lot of people directly... Ben Ben is wafting uh, it on the video uh, right now, um, but you know we, we you had a doubter on, when we posted that on on X who said the following. He said, "Come on, this guy has never been anywhere close to Trump." And then two people responded to that person with similar stories. And somebody said, "Neither have I, but I have a friend who went to military school with him. He had an incontinence problem." Another person said. All I could tell you, my dad has more than once. He also worked in Manhattan in the 80s, can confirm. And we just kept receiving comments like this on on our various posts about it um, from folks. This individual said, I grew up near Atlantic City and personally witnessed the diaper wearing as well as the African-American dealers having to go on break at the same time when he would come down on the casino floor, uh, you had somebody explaining uh, the smell uh, that they encountered of Donald Trump. They said, uh, this is from Instagram, I really had the thought back then that he just saw himself as so rich that he did not give any care of his smell. I think he showers, but gas and not caring to wipe his bum was an issue. We saw him later in the evening surrounded by people. He was pulling girls into hugs and you could see they were pulling away but he kept forcing them back. So my friends and I left maybe two hours into the event. And you know, I could go through, like we have a lot of comments about this that I could continue to go through of people acknowledging the odor apparently of Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, so I, I think, you know, we got a lot of fact witnesses is all I'm saying uh, then. And maybe instead of stop the steal, Donald Trump should have been rolling with stop the stench or, or stop the stink <laughs> or, or, or something along those lines. 
And this, again, to the larger point, is is this is their leader. This is the MAGA cult leader who loves when people call him a dictator, who loves when people call him a fascist, who puts on to the board, you know, in big, bold letters when they, you know, think of Trump, it says revenge, dictatorship. You know, he uses that as a badge of honor. There, There ain't no using stanky Trump as a badge of honor. And when you have this many character witnesses coming out, and just speaking out against this guy, and 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 it just is is putrid smell. I mean, good luck, good luck, Jordy, I, I know this was in the uh, the clip, the, the the montage that we showed, but could we watch just the clip on its own of tr- Trump farting uh, in, next to the great late uh, Diane Feinstein? Uh, and he rips like three of them. There's one in the and, beginning, and, and not only that, but he like moves his body in like a. Like to push it towards her. We didn't. Add, there, we didn't add sound to this video. <laughs> no, 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 no. We did not. And he does it in the beginning, and then he there. You hear two squeakers at the at the end. Two squeakers, and, 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 and it interrupts. And it interrupts his sentence. And he has to like try to catch his own sentence. Here's the clip. So today we're here in a bipartisan fashion to show leadership in an effort to end this senseless violence. And it, violence, it can be ended. You hear the other two at the end? Uh, What about in front of Turkish leader uh, Erdogan? Uh, What what about that moment? Might as as well. Let's just keep doing it. Just keep it. The evidence is pretty clear, right? I mean. Uh, Case closed. We have. have, a lot of a lot of that. We, we don't have anything else. I don't know about you, but we have nothing else to do for the rest of the day. So <laughs> it's never any. I have nowhere else to go. I mean, it's, a, it's just spending time with the mighty. mighty. But in, in, in all should, should we keep doing though, this for hours? Just in all play. seriousness, though, as Hillary Clinton says, if you could be baited by a tweet, right, you could be nowhere near nuclear weapons. And to Kinzinger's point, if he's getting so emotional and can control himself when it comes to this. Think about when he's in a room with President Xi or the Taliban, and they go, sir, and he goes, did they call me sir? What What do you want me to do, Taliban? Release five, release 5,000 of you? Okay, I'll release 5,000 Taliban. They called, they called me sir, and he says that at his speeches. They said, sir? Sir, you know, and, and, and it's also, as I said before, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. There's nothing more that I enjoy than the very serious, sober legal analysis that we do here, where we have the top legal experts. I love our analysis of the economy. I love our analysis of the uh, political environment right now. And we go into depth. That doesn't mean that we should be precluded from sharing with you things like that. And that as we all head into the new year, um, you know, we can reflect on how kind of weak and and stinky Donald Trump is and and how strange this MAGA movement is. Mm-hmm. And showing you the clips of Alina Haba, showing you the clips of Rudy Giuliani, showing you the clips of James Comer, you know, J- James Comer goes, well, there are some uh, uh, spies from China who we use on our investigation against Hunter Biden. It's like Hunter Biden says, look, I am here. You wanted me here. 
I will testify publicly. No limitations. Ask me whatever you want. I just want to testify before the Republicans in public so there could be no doubt in what it is I say, so the whole world can see it. And then you have the MAGA Republicans go, well, that's not our rules. We want a secret deposition. It's like, you want a secret deposition? And now their new thing is because they believe President Biden knew that Hunter Biden was going to show up in Washington, D.C., the day that Hunter Biden showed up, that now they claim President Biden is involved in obstruction of justice and stopping Hunter Biden from doing the secret deposition because President Biden may have been aware that his son was coming to Washington, D.C., where President Biden lives. I don't know, but it's possible the MAGA Republicans may be onto something. You see, they're about to figure out that Joe Biden is Hunter Biden's dad. They're about to uncover that. Look, everybody, we want to wish you a very happy new year. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Whatever it is that you celebrate, have a very happy new year. Wow, that's our last show before the new, the last Midas Touch podcast. Next show will be- How long have we been doing the show for? Were you going on year three? We've been going, we've been going. March, no, we've been, we'd started in the summer of 2020 2020. um, was our very first podcast. We started Midas Touch somewhere in that March of 2020 range. Just think about that. Midas Touch didn't even exist as of March uh, 2020. And then it really kind of kicked into being like a thing probably around May of 2020. And I think the first podcast ever that we did was somewhere in the... um, somewhere in that in that June or July. It was over the summer. Yeah, um, but look, yeah, we've come a long way because of you watching this and listening to this. This whole movement is your movement. And Brett, Jordy, and I are just happy to be a part of this movement with you. Look, there's going to be days where we're down. There's going to be days where we're excited. There's going to be days where we're exhausted. We're here to uplift each other. We're here to talk about democracy, compassion, love, and doing it in an intelligent way. And we are all in this together. As we approach 2024, we're looking to grow and expand the Midas Touch Network. So, one way to help grow the network. The easiest way is subscribe and share the YouTube channel, uh, the podcast, the audio podcast with anybody you know, friends, family, coworkers. Just if you do that once a day to one person and say, hey, this Midas Touch Network is kind of reinventing the way the media talks about politics. They're unapologetically pro-democracy. It's not about liberal, progressive versus conservative. It's about the truth. It's about evidence. It's about our democracy. They don't both sides the issue. Just share it. Share it. Tell them to watch one episode or one hot take. Tell them to subscribe. That's the best way you can help. Another way, if you're able to, and we know it carries with it a membership fee, so really no worries if you can, go to patreon.com slash touch. We've built all of this together as a community with zero outside investors. Zero outside investors. Just think about that. And some of the ways we build this is through those funny emojis you see there, our pro-democracy sponsors, and our Patreon. And on our Patreon, we do after shows, um, which are exclusive podcasts that are for our 
patrons who pay that membership fee. And look, it's just a fun way to try to build the network so we don't have to have outside investors. That's why we do it. It's not meant to exclude anybody. We just have to find unique ways to keep on growing this so we can then build things like MidasTouch.com, right? And you see the incredible editorial staff we have there. That's how we fuel that growth without investors. So here is a fun way we will do the Patreon today. Um, Brett, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask everybody in our live chat, ask us questions right now. Ask us anything. We will try to answer as many questions as we can on the after. I'll start screenshotting right now the questions that we get asked in the chat and then when we go to the after show on patreon.com slash Midas touch we're going to try to answer those questions from the wow. live so right now is your time ask us anything we will um, answer that at patreon.com slash Midas touch and if you want to uh, join patreon.com slash Midas touch you can do so now all right and you can maybe hear your question answered and then here's the thing too. So so we record the after show, Midas Moore, uh, and then we post that about 20 minutes after the show. So keep getting those questions in. We're screenshotting them all right now. This is going to be a fun one. I like this because sometimes people don't think we're live live, but folks, come on, we're live live. And again, as we hit the new year, the goal is this, and I know the Midas Mighty are up for the challenge. 2 million YouTube subscribers by January 7th. No later. Midas Mighty, y'all know what to do. Tell a friend. If you're not subscribed, you subscribe right now. Get a cousin to subscribe. Get another pro-democracy warrior to subscribe. Just keep on doing it. Subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. Let's grow this thing together because the collective of all of us are more powerful when we have strength in numbers. All right, Jordy, take it away. Shout out to the Midas Mighty! At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.